Mr. Pop. Dark. When the little birds are nasty, and I listen to them too, there's two lonesome people in the whole wide world. That's me and the man in the moon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Miss Platonic University Radio, a podcast exploring fantasy flight games with Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dana. I'm Dan. I'm Ben. And today, we're talking Scarlet Keys player cards. It's been quite a while, but we're back and we're doing something a little bit different. So rather than talking about every card that was released, we'd be here for a very, very long time. Uh, we're picking cards that we've played with and have made kind of a bigger impact on us. Um, a note here, too, that we're planning on talking about customizable cards in a future episode, so none of them are the focus today. As much as everybody on in the planet, in the entire universe, has loved the customizable, there could be no person on the face of the Earth who does not like customizable. We're not going to be talking about customizable uh, cards today. But we're going to be talking about some spicy picks. Yeah, I think the main thing is, you know, last time around it took us, what, like five very long episodes to talk about every single card? Uh, we didn't really want to do that again. So I think uh, I think the plan is we sort of picked a, a short list of cards that we think are especially interesting or cool, and we're just going to highlight those. That's it? That's the plan? Yeah. Should we just get into it? Uh, sure. Should I read the first one? Yeah, why don't you go for it? Yeah, so uh, we're doing Guardian cards first, so we've got a card called Motivational Speech, which is an event, cost zero, level zero, it has a willpower icon and an intellect icon, it's a spirit, um, looks like we have some, some Charlie Kane in the art there, um, and the text is, Parley, choose an investigator at your location, that investigator may play an ally asset from their hand, reducing its cost by three. Um, so we've already been playing this, I think, kind of a lot, right? um what do you guys think about it um yeah we definitely seen use i think a couple of games i played have also benefited from having kind of ally heavy decks like playing a charlie or whatnot but um yeah it's a it's a pretty good uh economy card um for guardian and for, even for splashing into i mean one the, the key thing is you can play it on other people and it's a parlay so it doesn't provoke AOs, um, and you can if like if you get it later in the game or you don't have an ally in your deck, you can play it on somebody else. Yeah, I was I was kind of wondering if the parley was actually because I I didn't even notice that this was a parley before. I guess the fact that it doesn't provoke AOs is pretty cool. I was wondering whether there's some kind of like there's a couple things that interact with parleys, right? Like, have we seen something that's like you get an extra action each turn that can only be used to parley or something like that? Uh. Probably not, but we can, we can see that at some point. Not offhand. I mean, there's there's often there's sometimes there's scenario effects that interact with parlays. Those are usually it's usually more like uh, disables, you know, disables parlay for a turn or whatever. Like there's that stuff in Innsmouth that do it. I I think the main the main thing the main reason that this is good is kind of like Uncage the Soul, right? Which we already kind of play. Um, the main the advantage is you know you can play it on somebody else, which is nice because. Um, with a card like this, you know, you're trying to mulligan and hit it early or something, right? But maybe you get this and you don't have an ally to also use with it, because maybe you only have two copies of your ally in your deck. Um, right. But it's nice because if you have this early in the game, 
probably somebody has an ally that they could really use, you know, three bucks off of. Um, and if you draw this later, well, you already played your ally, but then probably someone else has, like, a late ally that they want to play. So just the fact that you can play it on other people makes it less likely that it's just going to sit in your hand and do nothing compared to, like, another card like this. Yeah. Um, that definitely gives and an the, advantage over... And and the icons, like, I feel like you'd probably rather have... It, you'd probably rather have maybe, like, double will or something, but it's not bad, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's fine for... You know, it's a level zero card. It's, it already yeah. has a lot going for it. Um, and I think the bottom line is just Guardians don't have a lot of money options, and they have a lot of good but relatively pricey allies. So this is kind of like... I, I wouldn't necessarily play this in every Guardian deck, and certainly not... Um, you know, it depends on what ally you're playing and stuff like that, but I think it's it's probably going to be... Probably most Guardian decks are going to want to play this, I think, right? Uh, like maybe, I think, maybe it was a one-up. Yeah, maybe it was a one-up. I guess I'm trying to think of... At least the, when we play Guardians, I think we usually have... Usually have an ally going, whether it be B-Cop or, or, or some of the more exotic allies. Um, I mean... Because with a Guardian, uh, your, your start is often really kind of janky, because, like, a lot of times you really need to get a weapon out, which is probably a few bucks, but then you also maybe want to get out, like, a B-Cop or something, and mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of hard to afford both of those, so this is, like, a good solution to that. Yeah, I was trying to think of what, what Guardians I wouldn't take it in. I mean, I guess Zoe has good economy, but this is still good early on before she gets ramped up. Are there was, any guardians yeah. that just play really cheap allies that this doesn't give you full value on? Uh, maybe if you're playing like like medical student and like Tetsuo or something, or like maybe guard dog. I don't know. Yeah. Allies tend to be pretty expensive, though. Is kind of the thing. Like medical student is like the most useful cheap ally that I can yeah. think of. I was gonna say think... maybe Tommy, but to, to, to help him go, going at the beginning, he would still play it probably. Yeah, it just turns I, into free money. <laughs> I, I think right. this is probably this is like probably a one of at least in almost all guardian decks. I mean, I what say. what about non guardians yeah. that can take it like a splash or Calvin or anyone that's sure. subclass yeah. guardian? It's it's still good for most of them too. It this, is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The parlay and, is huge. Right? And and yeah, just because you can much. and just because you can play it on other people too, right? It, it means even if you don't need it for yourself, it still probably it, has use in the first turn. It's yeah, it's just so good that in a four player game, if you have this in your hand, definitely don't mulligan it, definitely keep it. Like somebody will be able to get a hugely beneficial like somebody will get a, a, a very good accelerated start off of this, even yeah. if it's not you. Like somebody will have an expensive ally that they really want to play. I, mean, I guess the downside of this is it probably has diminishing returns, uh, right? Like if you draw it late in the game, once you have your ally out, it's it's mostly a dead card. Uh, although again it depends on the deck. If you're playing a deck with like more disposable yeah. allies then you'd still want to run it. But if yeah, and, and, and again, like, the fact that it's played on anybody, so maybe you already got your ally down, but maybe there's somebody else that's just been broke the whole game and they mm -hmm. never had a chance to play their, you know... Um, I'm trying to think of, like, an example of a fairly expensive ally. Like, they just never got a chance to play their... Like Greta or um, somebody? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. You know, something or like, like Leo. that. So. Yeah, Leo exactly. They're, they're, they're Granny Orn or what have you, right? Like, you can, sure, you, sure. Can, you can help them out. So I, I think this is pretty solid. It's it's like, it's almost not that exciting a card, because it's just, you look at it, you're like, yep, seems seems good, let's play it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like the career fair of this game, right? And it's weird because it sort of competes with Ever Vigilant, where Ever Vigilant, like, the longer that I've played with Ever Vigilant, the more that I'm just convinced that it should be a two of in every single deck. But, like, motivational speech is kind of weird, because, like, while... Ever Vigilant plays three assets for minus, like, t no, 
net total of like the the three credit value or whatever and this is three credit value on specifically an ally it's like in the decks that it that it would work really well in like for vincent or carolyn who just want a lot of stuff down it's like you have to play ever vigilant first to get non-ally stuff down and then this to get your you know your um What's the new field agent or whatever out? Yeah, I, I agree it's a little awkward to play both. Actually, well, why don't we just segue? Our, our next card actually is relevant to this. Why don't we just talk about our next card? Let's do it. So next card here, we have Ever Vigilant Level 4. Who knew that we were going to get an upgrade for it? I sure didn't. Uh, so it's a level 4 event, still costs 0. Uh, it has a will icon and two mm. intellect icons. Uh, it is a tactic still. And then it says, one at a time, investigate location. As a group, they play up to four assets in total from their hands, reducing the resource cost of each by one. So difference between this and the level zero one is that now anybody at the location can utilize the effect. Which it is has, huge. I believe one more. Uh, it has a will icon now. It used to just have two in. Um, and now you can play four assets combined, everybody at your place, right? And this came out in the uh, set that Carson came out in, right? So, like, I think the intent here is to be a little bit more benevolent and, like, let everybody else play this stuff. Um, and if you're somebody like Mark and you have one of these in your deck, you can obviously put this on Stick to the Plan. It's like, you know, that's the that's the perfect bit, right? 10, ex- 10, 10 XP to get, like, all the things you need out consistently every single time is fantastic. In addition... You can just give it to your friends, right? After you've you've played all your assets and you're you're cycling your deck, you're probably discarding this because you're Mark. But if people have stuff to play, you can always give it to other people, right? Yeah, we we have good. in the past. I think we we talked about stick to the plan on one of the binder trials episodes, and we were somewhat oh, yeah. we were somewhat low on it compared to where other people were at, which I still right. think made sense at the time. I think now that now that you have like this card to put on it. It's, it's a much stronger argument for it. It is like 10 XP total, like you said, to get both it's of these. So I, I still probably wouldn't do that like immediately in a Guardian deck, right. but just being able to play this turn one is really strong. Because again, the main downside of the original Ever Vigilant was unless you, you unless your entire deck was full of assets, which is usually a bad idea for most right. decks, there was a risk that you wouldn't be able to like hit all three things, not just assets, but non-free assets, right? That you actually wanted to get out early. But now that you can play it now that anybody can can kind of like share it i mean if you're in a three or four player game almost definitely there's going to be four assets between everybody at the table and everyone is just saving like so many clicks and money like it's it's just really solid it's pretty fantastic yeah i mean how good is it without the stick to the plan to not reliably have it early on is it like it's like if you draw it halfway through the game or the end of the game i i think it depends how I think it depends what your card draws like. I think in a mark deck, you're just you're gonna draw enough cards that like maybe I don't have this turn one, but maybe I find it on turn three, and it's probably still good at that point because probably mm-hmm. everyone hasn't played out all of their stuff. So I would I would still play it. Yeah, and at the very least, you're gonna you're you're stapled to your seeker anyway, right? So like you're gonna if they're like taking an, an in test and they're like, oh, I'm gonna use glyphs, throw them two books. Why not? You know? <laughs> yeah. At the very very least. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was um, thinking because it is four experience. So, like, if you're not already running six yeah. of the plans, like, is it worth the four experience? Not, I'm not sure. It's because it, uh... yeah, it, I mean, this is still this still feels like a little bit of a luxury to me compared to like your kind of like beat cops and maybe making sure that your weapons are all set. Like, there's other things that I think you want to get first. 
but um, I mean, this is I think this is really good. Yeah, I mean, with Sticks of the Plan, it's definitely strong. Like the whole reason I got Sticks of the Plan most of the time was to play level one Never Vigilant, and now you know this is just so much better. Um, right. Yeah, like... I mean, I I'd probably still do the seven, the opening seven experience where you get like Sticks of the Plan plus level one Never Vigilant. And then just later, if you have three XP like floating around after you've gotten your like overpowers, vicious blows, better weapons, or whatever, you can just get pick this up too. Mm. It's probably fine. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. Um, this anything is a... else to say about this? So we, we we've had two kind of like support economy cards for guardians, which is cool because I think support cards are fun, and economy cards for guardians is something that we're we've sort of been missing up to this point. Yeah, I mean a lot of the a lot of the cards for guardians in this set were support just because Carson came in this set. So yeah, the, the they Carson leaned, effect. They leaned more into like things that help other people or or accelerate other people more. But right, um, right, yeah. Well, I like almost a... wish that this actually had the clause parlay on it. <laughs> That'd I mean, be quite nice. I yeah, I guess. But I mean, ideally, you're playing this first turn anyway, so you probably don't have an enemy on you. Probably. I think yeah, there's, yeah, there's a couple yeah. scenarios you do, but I think it's just a different. I guess the theme is different from uh, motivational speech. Motivational speech, you're talking, so it makes more sense that it's a parley. This, uh, I, I think, the theme of this is that you're just sort of you're like paranoid, and you always have guns everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> you're, you're, like a, you're, you're, you're like a like, doomsday prepper, kind of. Yeah, that's yeah. that's exactly. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, that, the, the, the quote, the quote on it is: he had to give Logan, Logan credit. He knew how to gear up for the Armageddon, right? So. Yep. Who's Logan? Is this character on this card Logan? Who Ooh. knows? I guess we'll never know. Let's look at the next card. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, so our last Guardian card is uh, Garish. Ooh, I didn't look Google how to how to say his name. How did how did I end up getting the one to read this? <laughs> Kadakia. Kadakia. Grish, but he's he's the ICPC uh, Punjab detective. Um, you know, uh, he is a cost four asset, a level four. He's got a willpower and a wild icon. He's ally and police. Uh, and Grish may be assigned damage and or horror dealt to other investigators at your location. Uh, fast trigger during a skill test being performed by an investigator at your location. Exhaust that investigator gets plus two skill value for this test. If this test is successful, heal one damage or horror from Grish. Um, and he's an ally slot with three health and three sanity. Uh, yes, we, we, we I've played him, I think, a couple decks already. Because uh, he's, he's pretty good. Um, he's, yeah. he's a soak uh, that heals himself. And also gives you a plus gives a plus two skill on a test like every round basically. Um, yep. He does cost four to play, which is pricey. That is like beat cop beat cop cost. So he doesn't give a he doesn't give a consistent bonus like beat cop, but he, he just has a lot of value. Like it, it it's it's unlikely he'll get killed because uh, of the heal factor unless there's like a, a specific card that says you know discard an asset or whatever that you can't avoid. Um, you can strategically use the plus two as a, as a courage every every round, basically. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have any negatives. I don't have any negatives on Garish. That's that's the thing. I mean, like uh, guardian allies are like always pretty hefty price wise, right? Like paying four for this is pretty on par, like with like field agent B cops, right? So like 
what is the utility of this comparative like compared to those i mean i i just think that four xp is kind of the downside like you you kind of expect most allies that cost four or five xp i mean there's definitely some that are kind of hilariously bad but typically most classes have four or five xp allies that are very good right so things like um like Abigail for Seekers, or uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. But but my point is, like, if you spend 4 XP to put something in your deck and then 4 bucks to play it, you kind of expect it to be good. Mm. Uh, and this is good, so. Um, yeah. I, I think, so we kind of had a discussion about this on our Discord a couple of days ago. I still think if I'm, like, a fighting Guardian deck, I would still rather have B-Cop 2 than this. If I could only pick one ally, and if I don't want to, if I don't think it's worth it, the XP and whatnot, to get Charisma... I will still take beat cop too, but this is really good. And if you're more of like a support build, or maybe if you're playing, see the thing is you can say, Oh, harder expert, the plus two is really good, but yeah, but like Tesla's damage is also really good. So, um, I, but, but if you expect that like the whole team needs some soak and you kind of want to provide that, like this does that, it helps you pass tests. It is definitely really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I played this in Carson just because, I mean, it came out in Carson, right? Or, or for Carson or whatever. Oh, and like, you can and do it on other people. And it's great for, can Carolyn take this? It's level four. It's not a gun. She can take it, right? Uh, it, she can take it because it heals itself. She t- yeah. yeah. Right, there you go. And Vincent can take it too for the Vincent. same reason, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. So exactly. for, either, for either of them, this is also probably pretty good. It's ridiculously good. I think yeah, I think for yeah. anybody that is not exactly that that niche there that you described, like just the pure guardian type deal, like everybody wants this. Everybody wants Garish on their team. <laughs> like it's just there's no reason to not take this, with the exception of the fact that it is four XP. So it, it is like a commitment. But like if you were somehow in a situation where you can pick any ally in the game to, you know, randomly pull from your collection and play, like I was kind of thinking about allies the other day and I was like, oh, this is just the one that I would pick because it's like it's Infinite soak, you know, asterisk, for the entire team, and also an infinite, like, courage, essentially, right? Like, infinite unexpected courage for the entire team, for, like, every round. So I, it's, like, kind of wild. I might take Leo, but I get what you're saying. He is, he is, he is very, like, generically useful. Like, almost anybody right. could, could use him. Yeah, I think right now, for me, after playing with him, I was like, oh, this is just one of the best allies in the game now like that you can play that's like higher tier you know like for experience kind of a deal um like right up there with like lola santiago and all that kind of stuff janae so yeah i think he's great yeah yeah like like janae is a good comparison because that's another expensive but very good ally right yes um yeah. and and this is girish is more girish girish's usefulness is like more broad than someone like janae like janae is for pretty specific decks and yeah, this is like just about anybody could get some benefit from Girish. So. Oh yeah, totally. Um, cool. Uh, should we talk about some more cards? We're on to the seeker cards. Okay. All right. So I, I guess we're talking about these two together, kind of. Um, uh, so we have. We can just talk about research notes. I just had the other one there as a, a reference. Oh sure, sure. Yeah. So we have uh, so research notes. Uh, this is. <laughs> Oh, research notes. Um, so this is a one-cost asset, level zero, one intellect symbol. It's an item and a tome and science, so you know it's good. Um, science. Reaction, after a player card ability places one or more of your clues on your location, place that many resources on research notes as evidence. Action, test intellect zero. For each point you succeed by, you may spend one evidence to discover one clue at your location and takes up the hand slots. 
Um, I mean, this card is... We've talked about this a little bit, like when we talked about um, our Arkham Knights experience and like the new investigators. This card is kind of absurdly good. Yeah. Um, yes. Mainly, I, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is that... So if you just... I think the first time I read this, I probably didn't immediately notice how insanely, insanely powerful it is. But it's the fact that, because what you kind of think is like, it helps you sort of re-pick up the clues that you dropped, which if that was all it was doing, it would not really be that strong, right? Like it would maybe encourage you to play clue dropping builds, but it wouldn't necessarily break the game, right? But even without getting into some of the weirder stuff about it, just the fact that it kind of completely ignores Shroud, completely ignores any on-investigate effects is kind of strangely really good, right? Hmm. So, yes. like, things like Locked Door, having, like, a, you know, some locations are like, this is 9 Shroud, but you can reduce it by taking damage or something like that. You just ignore all of that, right? Like, you can just get clues. Yeah. So that's yeah. really strong. Um, and then there's the knowledge is power interaction, right? So That's somehow the, it's, <laughs> the rules are weird about this, but apparently if you play knowledge is power on this card, you can basically like, it's kind of like you can spend it like imaginary evidence as much as you want. So if you play knowledge is power, you just have to pass the test. And if you succeed by enough, you can just get all the clues without spending any evidence. Fast. Which is, yeah, fast, which is, which is bonkers, right? <laughs> yes. So... Yeah. Yeah, that, that was from like a FAQ question on the site, and I think that's still the current ruling, um, which which is definitely weird to me. <laughs> that's how that works, but it's yeah. kind of wild, yeah. But I mean, even without that, the one of the most powerful things about this card is once you have two of them down, yeah. every time you drop a clue, that's you get you get the evidence to get two clues back at a test zero, right? Right, right. Yeah, that, and it didn't that, have to be a tome. Like you have research librarian to fish it out of your entire deck like immediately. You're you know like if you start with one and then research librarian the other one and pull the other one and, and play them both and you know and, you just and, go and it's and it's cheap. It's zero XP. It costs one. Like that's kind of that's kind of crazy. It it's really right. just yeah. It, there's so many. There's just so many different ways that it helps you. Like obviously once you get it fully online, if you're like recurring knowledge is power and you have or you have two of them out and you're blasting captivating discoveries then that's really good. Even if you don't have that, like, if you have cards in your deck that are pretty good that drop clues anyway, this kind of gets you a little bit of a side benefit from it, and it kind of helps you avoid High Shroud and things like that. It's just, it's really oh, yeah. good. And Captivating Discovery, which we, we spoiled a while back, is, like, the perfect complement to this, because, like, even if you only have one Research Notes out, you really want to blast the Captivating Discovery, fall all the way off the ladder, and just pick up... <laughs> Get take all the cards and drop three clues, right? Um, but once you get two of them out, it's just like yes, I would like to, yes, I would like to draw six cards, get six evidence. Thank you. I would like to yes, that sounds good to me. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kraken in the chat is saying, wonder if any flavor of Roland can use this nicely. I think this is fantastic in like Roland, like solo or something, like because you're you can kind of do both you know you're you're picking up clues sort of testlessly when you're murdering like you know you murder a swarm of rats you pick one up and then it's kind of like seamless to drop it or even just like if if you're in a duo or, or a trio or whatever where roland is kind of auxiliary sort of flex i could totally see this happening with with roland and then you're able to do you know weird knowledge is power stuff um 
I think that that might be a neat neat build for Roland because he's been like sort of the one with the eye on the clue dropping shenanigans, right? Like mm. he's the one that people scouted quick study with, and now there's so much more support. Not even just captivated discovery. There's like quick study, bizarre diagnosis, study. which is like a, a pretty powerful heal. Yeah, uh, bizarre diagnosis. There's press pass, which gets the extra actions when you drop clues. Mm. There's just a whole bunch of new stuff. And there's so, even the, like the, the Seeker Award drops you a clue too, right? I forget the name of it. Oh, that's but... right. Um, or Warrant. For Seen? For Warrant, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and it's, and the thing is, all those cards are basically good uh, on yeah. their own. Like, they're all usually worth dropping a clue for, for the most part. Yep. Like, some of them, like, Quick Study's kind of borderline. That one, you kind of want to have some payoffs. Like, you want to be committed to the clue-dropping lifestyle, probably. Right, right. It. But, but, like, these are all good cards. Um, Seeker, it's also, like, I mean, Archaic Glyphs is, like, the single most important card for getting clues in high-player count games. And right. this is kind of, like, it's not... Like, there's some situations where it's worse, but it costs no XP, you don't have to do the discovery thing to get it, and it it's better in some ways, it's worse in other ways, like, it's, and, and more people can take it because it's level zero, right. so it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not even to mention with, like, Daisy, right, who is, who is now, I think, the queen, the queen seeker, <laughs> uh, up there, I guess, with Amanda, but, like, I mean... Daisy gets the free tome action every turn, right, not that yeah. it's gonna be, like, huge for this but like you know so i guess before we head on to the next card the question that i want to ask dan is does this successfully usurp magnifying glass as no. you're tried and true from the core set <laughs> no well so if i'm uh i mean i would probably like in a lot of decks i would play magnifying glass plus uh archaic lifts right um, if I was sure. playing somebody like Daryl that can't get Archaic Glyphs, then I would play this. I'm not saying this is worse than Archaic Glyphs. It's kind of like, I think they're close, and it just depends what type of deck you want to play. Um, but but I yeah. still think, like, I still think Magnifying Glass is, like, the baseline. Like, you should always start building your deck with two of those in it, and then maybe you replace it with something else. We're, we're going to talk about another card in a minute that's another, like, potential Magnifying Glass competitor. So that's kind of interesting. Um, one last thing that I want to ask briefly is... I'm not even going to ask, should this be tabooed? Because I think the answer is yes. Pretty, pretty <laughs> yeah. straight up. But, like, how should it be tabooed? And Maybe it should be, like, once limited to one per deck or, or your mm, unique or something unique. so you can't double yeah. up on it. Yeah. I feel like the double up on it is, like, pretty, pretty key. I feel um, like the knowledge... I, I think what I would do is maybe, like, ban knowledge as power and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, Just and, light, and light, lightly nerf this. Honestly... You don't even have to ban knowledge as power, although I mean, maybe you should for other reasons. I would just clarify, I would like reinterpret how the rules work with knowledge as power. Probably. Yeah, that would be what I would lean towards yeah. with that like the it's just it just lets you ignore the base costs, not additional costs or something, which is it, it it's also like I said, it's like I mean I guess you could I'm fine if they if they want to like chain some of these cards or whatever, that's fine. But it's the way that secret stuff works is like there's so many other good cards. We can just yeah. play other good cards, and it'll be just as good. It's like it's what if, point. What if they change it to a different class? What uh, if they taboo it by saying this is now a survival card or something? That yeah. would be really funny. <laughs> what, what if they make up an entirely sure. new class, like um, uh, you know, uh, what's like a class that doesn't exist, like uh, musician Silver or something? You know? This is now a musician card or something. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Um, anyway, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. Yeah. 
Uh, should we move, move on, on to, to the, the next, next card? card? Yeah, yeah. So this is a card I'm particularly excited about, and I'm watching it uh, being played through a playthrough with Harrison and I. Um, so this is Grim Memoir. This is a another hand slot item here. So it costs three to play. It's an asset. Uh, it has one uh, intellect symbol on it. It's an item and a tome. Hello, Daisy. Uh, it has four secrets uh, uses there. Uh, and then action, spend one secret to investigate. You get plus two intellect for this investigation. And then if you succeed by two or more, you may draw a card. Uh, and then it takes up a hand slot. So this card was like kind of like flew under my radar at first, just because there, there was, I mean, research notes in the pack. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> and then um, my friend put it in his Daisy deck, and I was like, oh, Daisy can just... It's not even, like, it exhaust is the thing. Because, like, Old Book of Lore exhausts itself, right? Mm. This doesn't. And Daisy's already at a 5, and this puts her at a 7, and then with, like, a magnifying glass down or something like that, or Milan or what have you, you're at an 8 base, which is, like almost guaranteed you're drawing that card right you're drawing four cards with this three cards with this maybe more likely three cards yeah like you're saying there's a there's a high chance that you get the full value of this which is you know three four cards over the course of the game with daisy i should note (laughs) yeah somebody like with 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 like a four or five intellect person that that would be taking this i i don't know if i was thinking like oh this came out would uh I mean, I don't know what you guys are talking about. All Seekers, except Amanda, have five intellect. So I don't really... I don't, I don't even... <laughs> what are we even talking about? Um, this is, I, I mean, can't. yes. And, I, I mean, also Daryl does. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Daryl. Um, I mean, it is. I feel like it's worth mentioning. This is not fast, and it costs three. Mm. That's, like, kind of a problem, right? <laughs> um yeah yes yes it is not magnifying glass i i think my my thing about this is the part of this that i like is the draw a card part like if you can if you can get that to really go off then this is really good but in order to get that to go off you you need some way to like consistently put secrets on this i think well you have Um, the the ariadne right the you do but that basically costs a dollar to to put a secret on something so at that point, this basically says, like, pay one to draw a card, which is still good. I'm just saying it's not totally free, right? There's also just the fact that, like, okay, once I have Twine in my deck, I have this, like, source of renewable secrets. There's other ways, too. You can recycle um, whatever that research card is, Astounding Revelation or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, there's other ways to get secrets as well. But if I have this kind of, like, you know, renewable source of secrets do I want to use them this way or do I want to play like Eon chart or something? Like there's other ways that you can turn infinite secrets into value. Right. Sure. So like you could just play Eon chart and magnifying glasses and that might be, that might, that might be like about as good as this or better, I think maybe. Yeah. And I, I guess I should say that this card specifically is, is pretty fair for like the average investigator who has like four intellect, five intellect or whatever. Daisy is the one who is like it is very very good for because of the free book action this does not exhaust itself and mm. I feel like this is like the the first card that that competes with old book of lore see obviously I, I, old book of lore has an upgrade now but yeah I mean I, I get what you're saying but let's let's go a little bit deeper on that because like I don't really care whether it exhausts or not because my goal is just to get value out of Daisy's extra action so Right. Old Book of Lore, like, it's kind of okay that it exhausts because I used it once this turn and that used up my Daisy action gave me some free cards or one like yeah. one free card. So I don't really care that I, whether I can like use this multiple times. 
And in fact, because it takes up secrets, unless I unless I like really have a lot of secrets coming in, I probably it's it's not like I can just use this three three times every turn, like all the time, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean I think I think it would be fun to build around it because it's kind of like a it's it's a pretty solid card in its own right, like giving you plus two intellect and not uh exhausting. Like many times at higher player counts, there will just be, you know, like six or eight clues that spawn on a shroud one or two place, right? So like if you just mash this button for your whole turn, you've got, you know, four cards probably right? Three, four new cards in your hand. And this isn't even like, like, I mean, I was thinking about it more in Daisy, but I think that the fact that you only have that one free action, so like using it on your not free action is sort of like maybe inefficient. But if you're doing something like with Min or something like that, where you just use the secrets and then scavenge like something else into that slot and then kind of replace it that way, that could be kind of cool. So I feel like it's it's kind of a neat card that is is pretty fair in most respects but also pretty good in others like yeah i definitely yeah. think it's cool i wish i kind of wish it cost two instead of three because i think that would be fine and i think also then it would work with the jeremy decks which would be kind of kind of neat glass <laughs> level zero doesn't um but uh yeah i, I mean like if if i had like gun to my head if i had to kind of like make a review of this right now i would say like I think this is a cool card that is not quite as powerful as the already very overpowered existing secret cards like Old Book of Lore and Magnifying Glass, but sure. it's definitely cool enough that I want to try it out. Um, and like, I don't think it's impossible that if you can really, if you can really just get like infinite secrets all the time without any downside, then you could definitely make some decks with this that I think are like just as good as as the other decks I was talking about. Yeah, I yeah. was. I would know that it doesn't offer any like inherent clue compression right it only gets you one clue unless you're like committing deductions or or, or doing some other other combo with it like right. you compare it to like fingerprint kit or something that's also like kind of expensive it gives you an int bonus and gives you like uses. uses yeah um so, yeah it, it also but, just uh yeah like in a two-player game maybe you'd rather have fingerprint kit it also the fact that you have to use the investigate action on it you can't get a bonus from it doing some other type of like archaic glyphs investigate or something or research mm. notes like you could with the magnifying actually magnifying glass doesn't help with the research notes but but you, right. you get the idea like it's slightly worse than if you could just like do some other investigate action and trigger this but it's yeah, yeah. That's, that's not gonna come up that i think way. i think this is yeah i think we said it already this is like a balanced a pretty fairly balanced secret card in, right. in, an alternate, in an alternate universe where they ban, like, the 15 really good secret cards, this would be, like, a very strong card that I would play. I mean, and well... I had, yeah, and, and I might play it anyway. I'm, like, I'm not totally ruling it out. Well, if, if, like, you're somebody that's, like, just bought the Scarlet Keys as, like, your first expansion or something, then, you know, this this is, like, a solid card to use. Oh, yeah. I, 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 guess, I guess if you have the course that you do have Magnifying Glass, though. Um, you do, but, but you could but, have you know, both, right? Yeah, you can you get both. You know, it's a it's a solid pickup, and it's not too ridiculous. So I think it's like a, a, a I think it's a well designed for a level zero secret card compared. To, it's just when we're comparing it to other secret cards that are just so crazy, you know. Magnifying glass is the um, it's like the corroder of this game or something like that, right? It's just something that's sure. like in the core set, and it's just like a little bit too good. And it kind of like it kind of like competes with like everything else for years and years and years. But right, yeah, right. yeah. Well, let's move on to our rogue cards. Um, 
first up, measure is that what we're talking about uh no close it's embezzled treasure um this is a level zero asset it costs uh zero with one intellect on it uh it's item and illicit has fast action or fast trigger exhaust embezzled treasure move up to two resources from your resource pool to embezzled treasure to a maximum of 10 resources on it force when you resign or the game ends for every two resources on embezzled treasure an investigator of your choice begins the next scenario of the campaign with one additional resource in their resource pool uh, so this uh, the just this card is like as a rogue if as you can draw near the end of the game maybe you're sitting on like 30 or 40 resources because you have a bunch of clue of money gain nonsense or even like 10 or 15 that you're not going to use you can kind of like stash it away for later on this card so theoretically you could give yourself a boost for the next game of up to five extra resources or you could even in theory give it to other people at the table like um the, your politician friend that's like somehow desperate for money constantly um <laughs> which i mean those are both like fairly hollow effects and can you have two of these out does anything protects you no there's nothing that prevents you from having two two copies you of it out right it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah i was wondering i was trying to think of the maximum restricted that but i don't think it does so um uh, yeah so you, so you could potentially like bank up to 10 resources if you have two of these out um which is definitely a strong gives you a head start and all your future scenarios yeah yeah i mean so i first saw this card and i was like oh this is immediately include in any big money deck right as a one of because like you're you're essentially like because uh that one card that gives you two resources at the beginning of every scenario i forget what it's called um but it's a permanent that just says another day another dollar yes there we go another day another dollar uh this is like a zero almost like a zero xp version of that it does take uh, a long time to get going but i played it through the scarlet keys campaign and it was very very good um i played it through with parallel skids because uh these monsters made it illicit which means that my golden boy preston cannot play this card uh <laughs> who is the one who would want to play this card the most um yeah it's very I can't play it so i feel like carson or Preston, I don't think would be doing embezzling of treasure. I think his, you know, dad or grandfather or something was probably. Oh yeah, probably yeah. Rich did people that. never commit crimes. I, yeah. or <laughs> Preston can't commit crimes, you know. Um, yeah. So I can't think of illicit stuff. And right. I, he he's like the 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 child of the the rich people that did all the crimes, and now he's just kind of like a derp, derping around to try to figure out what's going on, right? And I don't know if he's gotten his hands is, dirty. Is yet. the argument that like he's not really smart or creative enough to embezzle something? Like Basically. embezzling takes some, <laughs> some cleverness. That, he's, gonna I mean, one, maybe. he's gonna want yeah. it all in stats, Dan. I don't know. I feel like what actually happens in the real world is they do they do try to do stuff like embezzling and they do it very badly <laughs> and they end up like <laughs> like it, it they just do they just do a really bad job. Sure. I, I just yeah. i don't know if preston's on that life stage yet i thought he was in like his 20s or something but yeah maybe not oh oh okay well i mean like, so this card has worked really well for me yeah. throughout the Car- scarlet keys run almost every single scenario i think actually every single scenario and, and kraken please correct me if i'm wrong that i played through uh with harrison and our friend tim uh i had five exper- or i had five uh cash just floating around at the beginning of every scenario being like uh i guess it's so it's when you end the scenario you pick the folks who are going to get the extra money and then you sort of divvy it up that at that point 
Um, so every time we just had an extra five to start with, which was fantastic. I mean, I, I usually took at least two, but you know, just having like one more credit turn one to play that, you know, like machete guard dog without having to clip her credit is pretty nice. Right. Like, and the fact that you can kind of divvy it up is, is pretty nice. So, yeah, I think maybe the, maybe the funny, maybe the funniest way to play this is, um, Oh man, Carson can't play this either. That's too bad. I was going to say the funniest thing to do would be to have a Carson Preston team where Carson is Preston's butler and like make Carson play this every time. So like <laughs> make your servant do the, the crimes for you and you get to benefit and make him give you five resources at the beginning of each scenario. Um, I mean, just, just to play like devil's advocate on this a little bit. I mean, it does take up a card in your deck, right? So like yes. you only you only have so many slots. Ideally, most of your cards are helping you win the game, and some are helping you pay for things to win the game. This is a card that like you play it this turn and it gives you money, or you play it this game and it helps gives you money next game, um, which is kind of interesting. But like you could just play another economy card, maybe like like you've already probably yeah. got thousands of cards in your deck. You could just play like an upgraded cash or something. Like it would just be kind of simpler. Um, yeah. There's also just the fact that like you have to take an action to play it, which again that's fine. But like you could you could just play another econ card. There's also you kind of have to find it early, and you have to basically use it for five turns continuously. Um, yeah, that's the big investment. It's very time intensive, and and it is like it is using up your money, right? Like if you have extra money, it's fine. But if you consistently have extra money, do you even need this? You know, like I think it's usually just a lot of rogue cards are expensive to get out early and. Sometimes you have extra money because you haven't drawn the cards or you didn't need to play the expensive card, and yeah. but you still have your money engine going. So it's just kind of banking the money for the future, like for, for, yeah. for when yeah. you have a worse setup, you know, a worse card draw or whatever. And yeah. it, it, I agree there are some downsides. It, definitely the time sink is, is a big one. Like if you get this kind of late, I think which that's is the interesting. maybe also when you have the surplus of money like kind of later in the game, it might be... If you if you're only Hard able to up. put like four on this, I feel like it's just not really doing enough for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like you really feel like you got to get a lot of money on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I will say though, uh, it it would be pretty great in like Trish or somebody, just as a one of. I did try this in Parallel Skids, and I wanted to start with two, but again, the deck slot thing, right? Like it's like I need twenty. I need as many cards in this deck to be functional. And this thing is like definitely like for the game that you're playing it in is bad. It's like spend a click to do nothing, right? And and then fast action lose two resources. See, right? See, that's I mean, that's the it, that's the thing. Like again, I love the idea of this card and like I'm not saying I would never play it. It feels like a card to me that would be in my deck when I have like 33 cards in it and then I would agonize for like half an hour about what to cut and I would end up cutting this. That doesn't mean I would be right to do it, but I think that's the kind of decision that I would make. I think it's also an interesting interpretation of like a win more card, right? It's that's kind of what its its vibe is. It's you get rewarded for having extra money and like extra actions to like play it and get it out. Uh, Which which is it's like if you if you're already rich, this helps you sort of slightly re redistribute your wealth like over time to like Mm. a more useful time in the future, which is which is really interesting. Um, it just it feels a little bit like a luxury kind of you know yeah like it is it's embezzled treasure it's not embezzled it is you know, treasure yeah, I was gonna say. Whatever, right <laughs> yeah 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 I've been having a lot of fun with the card though I do think it's it seems, fun it seems fun it is a fun card to like be able to bank stuff and like get to that point but yeah it's 
you know, it's not not without its pros, not without its downsides. But, I think yeah. rogues rogues have a high density of just like interesting cards that feels like it would be fun to play like um get me out of here type type cards mm. that are like you might not always <laughs> like this might not strictly speaking this might not outcompete everything else for a deck slot but it would definitely be pretty cool to mm. to make it work um yeah for sure should we move on to the next rogue card though yes uh is this me this is me right mm-hmm. uh so we've got hidden pocket fast so this is a event cost one has intellect and agility icons it's an upgrade and it's illicit fast play only during your turn attached to a clothing or armor asset you control attached asset gains you have one additional hand or accessory slot your choice which can only be used to hold an illicit asset. um and i assume that you have to choose between hand or accessory when you play this and it doesn't change right there was a ruling update that I believe was was implemented recently, right? We we went over it in our uh, in the episode that Ben and I talked about the taboo, which is like that you have to name what slot an asset is going into yeah. when it's going into it, so you can't like retroactively like scoop something over into your hidden pocket. Yeah. So um, the when, when, I think when you play hidden pocket, Dan's right. You would have to pick which one because it's the attached asset gains one of those two slots. And the rule that Dana was mentioning is, like, every time you play an asset, you have to decide where all your assets are at that time. You can't dynamically change them, like, as beneficial to you, which is uh, a weird ruling meant because of, like, basically because of the Mystic cards that mess with Arcane slots, right. I think, yeah. uh, was yeah. one of the main reasons for it. And it's something that you most of the time won't ever have to think about. But for this, it'd be like, okay, I'm going to make it a hand slot or whatever. So I so I want to ask Dana, who's sort of the rogue expert. So when I think about cards that give you extra slots, there's kind of two things that are usually bad about them. One is that it just it, you're like paying money in actions generally to just increase your amount of slots, which is sort of like it's like second order to what you actually want, which is like value and stuff like that. And this sort of fixes that by only costing one and being fast. So this is like basically costs nothing. It costs a card, I guess, right? But it doesn't cost an action, it only costs one. So compared to something like Sign Magic, which costs three and a click, this is pretty strong. The other downside to these like get an extra slot cards, the you know, the, the Akamatsu mem chips of Arkham Deep of, of Arkham Horror <laughs> the card game, is just that like there's a sequencing thing because maybe you draw this but you don't draw your third hand thing that you want to play, or maybe you draw right. your third hand thing and you don't draw this. So with that in mind, like, have you have you used this card? Have you seen this do some work? Like, what's your take on this so far? Yeah, so I have used this card, and I actually... So the first experience that I had with this card was Harrison was playing this in uh, uh, his Kamani deck uh, alongside in TSK. And this is one of those cards, like, right? We were just talking about Embezzled Treasure, where it's like, click, do nothing. And then fast yeah. action, drain your money, right? This is click, do nothing. And also, I mean, there's even sequencing on top of the sequencing that you were talking about, because first you need something that could have a pocket yeah. in it, right? You need your, <laughs> yeah. you need your clothing yeah. or your armor first. Then you need to find your hidden pocket. Then you need to find the thing that, that you want to put in your hidden pocket, right? Um, and I think right now, rogues are kind of in a really, really interesting spot because there there is so much acceleration in rogue, whereas, like, rogues used to only have, like, Lucky Cigarette Case, which obviously is very, very good for, like, the engine that kind of pushes you through your deck. And I think that is generally consistent enough to find one of these. So, I mean, when you're playing this, again, it's a deck slot thing, right? I, I almost... 
think that it's not worth playing two of these, especially because you have access to adaptable. So if you find later that you're like, oh, I have enough deck slots later with like cards that are of higher impact, then you can kind of adaptable another one of these in, maybe find a deck slot for it. But for like starting circumstances, probably just starting with one of these is fine. Because like worst case scenario, you just don't play it. Maybe you commit it to a test or whatever. Best case scenario, you get your like leather coat down or leather jacket or what have you. And then you put this in it and then you put it a second lucky cigarette case down. And that's that's like optimal value, right? Um, I also played this in a fin deck where you could play like uh, Hawkeye folding cameras and just a bunch of illicit guns, right? So like the extra slots are really interesting and fun there. Um, but the card really shines with another card that came out in this in the set called I'll Take That, and this was fairly early spoiled. And I think we actually spoiled this one, didn't we? <laughs> Maybe um, Alex. So. It was a trick. And it's an upgrade, and it's Alyssa, and it says fast. And essentially, you play this when you evade a humanoid or you successfully investigate, which is the main use case here. Um, and you play an item from your hand, reducing the cost by X, where X is the amount that you succeeded by. So this is, again, sort of like another motivational speech. But the, like, the, the trick here is that it's fast. And it, it plays really well with Hidden Pocket because it paints it illicit. So I should say the last line says, attach, I'll take that to that asset, and then it gains illicit. So not only is it actually taking itself out of the rotation of your deck because it's attaching itself to the asset that you're playing, but also Hidden Pocket is doing that too. So subsequent like uh, go-throughs in your deck are going to be faster because you've got I'll take that attached to something, you've got Hidden Pocket attached to something. So so long as your like asset engine is is rumbling forward, these two cards are not are suddenly not taking deck slots anymore, and you're going through your deck faster and faster, especially when you got your lucky cigarette cases down, when you have your pickpocketing level twos down. So like, there's a lot of efficiency that comes out of these cards, and I'll take that as good by itself, but it works especially well with Hidden Pocket because it paints the asset illicit, which is huge, and it makes the accessibility of this for like off-class things pretty fun. Um, there's a lot of interesting... Uh, lines that can happen with like a lot of weird like like books and like guns or knives or whatever that aren't normally illicit that could be painted illicit and then put into a hidden pocket um and the fact that hidden pocket is clothing means that it's it's pretty versatile in terms of like you can put it in your coat you can put it in your armor you could put it in your shoes right like you've got um track shoes and hiking boots that you can find a hidden pocket in the fact that you can just like put like a lightning gun in a hidden pocket is pretty fun. <laughs> or like, you know, a shotgun or whatever. Something that takes up one hand slot. That's ridiculous. So, yeah. I I love these cards. And the fact that, like, especially Harrison was going wild on Kamani. Um, they essentially had two hidden pockets, two I'll take that's. And they had both their luck, lucky circuit cases down and both their pickpocketing level twos down. And they're de- they were just like cycling through their deck constantly because their deck was now, you know, 28 cards or something because both the all take that's and hidden pockets are down. And they're just, you know, full steam ahead. So I like these cards a lot as additions to Rogue, especially the I'll take that too. Yeah, R- Rogues are often about like comboing a bunch of cards together. So. And I think these do combo well. Kim had something similar with her Kamani deck uh, when we played Arkham Knights, where she would get a whole bunch of assets down because she was using her pockets, and I'll take that, and, and it was a good time. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I I I, I think they seem fun. Uh, I think Dan Dan is right where there is an initial cost to like get set up, but I think that's the case for like a lot of the rogue the rogue combos. So I, you know, I think that's kind of kind of standard for rogue. So yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is also there's also always relic hunter, right? If you just mm-hmm. need it for accessories, it's true. Um, but yeah, but no XP. <laughs> well, these are also elicits. They can work with. Uh, actually, I think one of the cards we are going to talk about later, the the underworld market, um, mm-hmm. that you can help fish them out more efficiently and, and thin your deck by by having other illicit cards. But yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess let's move on to the next card then. Yeah, so the next card... I mean, all of these cards are cards that I'm very excited about because they're all rogue cards, right? But they all do, like, really interesting, weird things. I feel like TSK was released, and it's sort of like a noiry set, and rogues sort of got a lot of interesting tools here. So this one's called Dirty Fighting. It's an asset. It costs three to play. Uh, it's level two, and it has one combat symbol on it. It's attack, a talent, a trick, and illicit, uh, which means Rita can play it, weirdly. Um, and it's limit one per investigator. It says, while attacking, parlaying, or attempting to evade an exhausted enemy, you get plus two skill value. And then as a uh, reaction, after you evade an enemy, exhaust dirty fighting, take a fight action against the enemy, ignore the aloof keyword for this attack. And, <laughs> again, this card is is really wild uh, in terms of, like, getting around some weird things, like... Um, birds in Dunwich, right? Like, weird, annoying, aloof enemies or, like, weaknesses that are aloof and kind of, like, creep around around you. Um, really good for dealing with those. Um, but also, the plus two skill value versus an, an exhausted enemy is something, like, rogues are doing that anyway. And plus two skill value, just, like... I mean, I'm just... Finn wants this if you're fighting. Like, this this makes, I think, fighting Finn viable in that... Uh, you can evade for free, and then you just immediately take a free action, not to mention the, uh, what is it, the 25 automatic, level 2, um, which essentially has the same text. It's like reaction, after you evade an enemy, you can immediately shoot with it. This just, like, stacks on top of that, um, and it's it's really fun. It's just more compression happening all the time with rogues. And this, while it's not great in Tony, necessarily, unless you're playing, like, Survivor with, like, stunning blows or something which would, could be fun and interesting um it it has a lot of compression for the decks that would be using it um and it's it's again just a more fun flavorful card for rogues i uh, yeah i definitely like that it like often one of the a lot of the rogues at least early on they struggled to like be able to actually get their combat up high enough to be able to consistently do damage and stuff but they were Often they have high agility, so they can evade stuff more easily. So this kind of combos nicely with that, because uh, you could evade first, then get the plus two bonus on shooting your gun, which also usually has a bonus. Uh, I I like the Rita mention, because uh, Rita, I think I haven't played Rita in a while, and I think the, <laughs> I think that might be the case for all of us because, but <laughs> but when I played her, one of her biggest struggles was. Um, action compression or having enough actions to do stuff uh and i guess one time i played her like her weapon was like the bow that was like the best option maybe there's other options now but even if she ran the bow with just this that would let her basically get to 
shoot the bow for free with a bonus, and then she two of these are actually to reload it. But it gives her the extra actions to to shoot stuff, which would be pretty nice. And she get to ping an enemy by evading it or whatever, right? That's her, that's her ability. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of have to want to evade the enemy anyway. Mm. Like, because if, if you're just going to evade it and then use this to get a free fight instead of just fighting it, like, you need to either have, like, pickpocketing out or be Finn who gets a free evade or be Rita that gets to use her ability, which is fine. Like, there are several ways to do that. But you got to have some kind of payoff for the evasion for this to be good. But if you do, then, yeah, this seems, this seems pretty solid, especially for Finn. Like, for Finn, this seems... I, I guess the only, like, slight question I have is, um, like, are, um, if you're able to evade stuff and you're kind of, like, an agility-based deck, are you sure that you even need to fight things? Because I feel like if we're in, like, a three- or four-player game, you probably have someone that's fighting with combat, like a Tony or a Silas or a Guardian, and you're kind of, like, at, at most you're maybe, like, picking off a couple of things here and there. Like, you're probably... So I guess that's my only question is like if you're only expecting to fight occasionally, could you just play a couple of backstabs and like not even need to play a weapon, you know? Um, cause, yeah. Because this because yeah. what it seems like it seems like this is for somebody who is great at evading and has payoffs for evading and has ways to fight that are actually good, like has like has a weapon out and wants to fight things, which you can make decks like that, but they seem like relatively uncommon. Yeah, and most most rogues too, like even except with the exception of Tony who has a five in combat, um, but a two in agility, like we're looking at a, everybody else has threes, right? Like who who could also potentially be uh fighting things, right? Like Skids, you have Winnie, you have Finn. All have threes. The best part about this card is is not necessarily even after you evade an enemy, you exhaust it and bonk something. It's the plus two skill value, which is huge, right? Because it it like yeah. you're always gonna want to evade something anyway, almost, if especially if you have the incentive, right? So this just reads that now your fight is a five, or your combat is five for the rest of the turn, which is like where you wanna be. And then plus you might have Lonnie out, plus you might have, you know, uh, uh Delilah yeah. out, which is I, like I mean, it, also huge. It's a little worse if you're dealing with like multiple enemies, because you'd have to evade each of them to to keep getting that bonus, but yeah, and it is also yeah, but I mean that that is pretty solid. Also, there is the fact that the hyperphysical shot caster exists now. Um, maybe makes like agility fighting a little bit more viable than it was. Mm. So like that's worth considering. But who's in what's it now? The uh, you know the 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 control gun, the remedies control twenty nineteen <laughs> service weapon. Oh yeah, that one. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I I was thinking even Kamani likes this just because they even if they don't run a weapon. <laughs> They can evade, like maybe get a free punch that does like one damage, oh, yeah. and then they can evade again with uh, with the plus two bonus to be able to poof it more easily. Oh. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, this also um, works well with pocket sand or waylay. Yeah. Um, or yeah, or, or the you know every now and then there's a scenario where there's a special enemy that you have to parlay with, and sometimes you need to evade it. So yeah, yeah I, I I mean I don't think it's like 100 percent best card ever, but I think it has a lot of applications where it can it can uh, combo well with other, other existing cards. Yeah, um, I'm I'm very happy that it's that it's a thing now. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess downsides is it does cost three, but all ro- all rogues cost like all rogue cards cost like three plus, right? I don't think there's anything cheaper than that. Yeah, and, and it only has one symbol on it, which is rough. Uh, it's limit once per investigator, which I think you can still put two in your deck, right? Yeah, but it, you can only have it's one. A little, play, it's a little so. awkward though because the symbol is. I mean, we were just talking like. Yeah. If you're doing an agility and combat build, then it's okay. But if you're just playing like a pure agility build, then the symbol is pretty useless. 
So it's like yeah, awkward, yeah, yeah. it's awkward to have two in your deck and only play one. Right. Yeah. I think for me, sort of the takeaways is that this is like sort of the core card to build that sort of a deck around because I've tried doing like a combat rogue before and like your options are like sharpshooter, which is like not good enough. <laughs> it's like not the value that you need. Like taking one big shot a turn is not going to help not against right three small enemies out, right? This, however, if you you know if you have a bunch of swarm enemies out or something like that, and you're Finn or you use Turkey or whatever, suddenly everything's evaded and you can you know fight everything much easier. So it's more of like a consistent boon for rogues. Yeah. So yeah, not too bad. Let's yeah. take a look at the uh, next card, um, which is Underworld Market. Uh, so this is a no-cost asset that's level 2. Um, it's connection illicit. It is permanent, exceptional, and you get plus 10 deck size. Uh, reaction, before drawing your opening hand, choose 10 illicit cards from your deck, shuffle them together, and place them next to Underworld Market as your market deck. Reaction, at the start of your turn, reveal the top two cards of your market deck. You may spend one resource to draw one of them. Place the rest on the bottom in any order. Uh, yeah, so so it is exceptional, so it costs four, right, to put into your deck. Um, yes. And you can only have one of them. Plus ten deck size is usually bad, but it's it's like not really that, because it makes it also makes you a side deck with ten, ten cards in it. Right. Um, and it sort of just kind of lets you draw a card every turn, as long as you have money, right? An extra card. Right. Um... Which is your lone wolf, your Jenny, right? Mm. Like, so yeah. I mean, the baseline question for this is like, are there ten illicit cards you want to have in your deck? And I think maybe the answer before the set was was possibly no, um, at least for, for decks that I run. But oh, yeah. but there's def there's definitely added several illicit cards, including ones we talked about already, um, that make it so I think you can get ten ten useful cards that you'd want to throw in. So. I, I would push back a little bit on, like, the I feel like the 10 deck size is still not great. Um, because, oh, yeah. like, like, because it's sort of like, if you didn't play this, your deck would be 30 of the best cards you can play, including some illicit cards. And after this, your deck is going to be, like, 30 of the best non-illicit cards you can play, plus 10 of the best illicit cards you can play. So, like, you're still basically adding cards to your deck... Like, you're still slightly less likely to hit, like, the best cards in your deck, is kind of what I'm getting at, right? Sure, but honestly, some of the best cards in your rogue deck are illicit. Like, now, you even, like, I'll take that is an illicit card. So you're That's you're paying one, one for an economy card. <laughs> but also pickpocketing level twos are illicit, and finding them on command off of the market is fantastic. Um, you have, like, your hidden pocket, like, essentially things, like, remember we were talking about sort of, like, having an issue with getting set up and like that that uh having to slap one on top of the other this sort of like completely negates that because when you're presented two cards at the beginning of the game you you have like an i'll take that and a hidden pocket presented to you and it's like oh i'll take the i'll take that the hey, those are my only two choices <laughs> pickpocketing level two you've got um okay uh, yeah yeah that, that's something i would lone take. wolf You've got, uh, you know, all your, like, essentially Finn, right? Finn's two signatures are also both illicit. So, like, just take this in every Finn deck ever and you'll be fine. <laughs> but, like, anybody else, 
new cards came out like decoy which is a pretty interesting and fun neat card um a lot of these cards that are like one of like embezzled treasure um hidden pocket those kinds of things are perfect for this card because so long as you don't pay for it it's not leaving that 10 card deck right so you could just have this set aside for majority of the game until whoever your connection here is in the underworld market presents it to you and you're like all right i'm set up i got my armor down i'll take out my hidden pocket now play it rogues are generally the most affluent class right i mean other than seekers obviously but like um rogues have a lot of money so eventually you're going to be able to make this back with your pickpocketings with your lone wolves with your faustian bargains right so like the cost offset is not that bad here um and the fact the fact that sure it does increase your deck size by 10 but also you've got your 10 cards set aside and sort of like a mini little almost joe diamond deck almost is better than the fact that it offsets your your next cycles of your deck because you have cards like hidden pocket and like um i'll take that where they just go out and stay out on your board which is kind of nice right it kind of offsets that because it's they just stay out um so i i really like this card a lot um andre with the metropole grid who's normally does like uh youtube netrunner content shout out to them uh made a kaimani deck with this in it kaimani they start with five in uh five influence five uh experience they could just take this right off the bat and then you know get rolling with their uh thieves kits get rolling with their you know pickpocketing level twos etc so like i think that this card is a really neat include though not in every deck yeah it seems fun i mean definitely getting assuming you have the money which hopefully you do getting basically an extra card each of the first 10 turns of the game is pretty good. So, like, that's that's a pretty solid thing to get. Yeah. And it, it guarantees that you can get your whatever list of cards you want, you'll definitely get it in the first five turns, right? Because you are you have right. this deck that you draw two of each time. It also means no, potentially... You won't, you won't definitely get it in the first five turns. You'll definitely get it in the first... Oh, no, yeah, because you don't shuffle yeah. it each time. You put it on the bottom. So you yeah. 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 So, I mean, I think that's a definitely a good benefit. Assuming you have the money, I guess, to buy it when you whenever you look at it, right? But, um, I, I think that 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 helps out a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't know if it's a. I guess for me, I don't think it was like a. It's like an early game pickup. I think you get it kind of maybe later game as a as a sweet a sweet spot or not or not a sweet yeah, spot. It, some some gravy, but I can definitely yeah. see leaning into it early on. So. Yeah, Whatever. this card made me look back at there's there's a seeker card that came out a while ago called Ancestral Knowledge, which in a different game is a very very good card. But Ancestral Knowledge increases your deck size by five and does this for skill cards. And then I immediately xed out of that tab and went back to Underworld Market and started crafting. <laughs> it's just like it, this is so much better because it. Uh... because it just keeps all that stuff aside for you and skills aren't as impactful necessarily as like keeping all of the assets for later like embezzled treasure and stuff like that to the side i don't know i mean i think the reason the other big problem with ancestral knowledge is in a seeker deck you're going to be cycling your deck a bunch of times so the increased deck size like the the special the special effect of this of the permanent does only kind of helps you the first time around um rogues are probably less likely to cycle through their deck except uh, with the exception of like winnie maybe 
Right. Um, Once or twice, probably. Yeah. Yeah, but well, and, and also what you said about like I don't really want to draw skill cards in the first five turns of the game very much. Like they're right. they're fine, but I would rather draw my assets. Right, and also practice my fair exist, right? So like, why? Yeah. Right. <laughs> why? Exactly. Yeah. The fact that this card is two XP two is pretty nice because you can splash it in you know whoever has up to level two. Yeah, level two. Yeah. yeah. You could get it in Dexter or something. I I don't know how many illicit cards all those people play, but maybe. I do. Um, I, I like the art of the grumpy guy. I kind of wish it was like a yeah. like a Cthulhu of some kind, uh, like secretly, like you could tell, like oh, he's got. <laughs> you know, he's, he, he could be. He, I mean, you never can tell, right? Or just straight well, up the dude from Resident Evil Four. <laughs> What are you buying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are what are what are we buying? Should we go on to the next card? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. Um, so we've got Binder's Jar. Uh, what? I feel I have to read this card. I don't know what this does. Um, it's an interdimensional prison, Dan. It looks like a jar to me, Dana. <laughs> but look at it. Um, but look at its shadow. The shadow has oh, horns. It's a, oh, oh, the it's shadow spooky. is like a scary shadow. <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, I didn't right. even know so, that. Thanks, Ben. So, bind, so Binder's Jar, it's unique. It's a two-cost asset, level one, one willpower symbol. It's an item and a relic. It says you, gain, you get plus one arcane slot for each enemy beneath Binder's Jar. Reaction. After a non-elite enemy is defeated at your location, place that enemy face down beneath Binder's Jar. Limit two enemies beneath it. Reaction. When an enemy attacks you, discard an enemy beneath Binder's Jar that shares a trait with the attacking enemy. Cancel that attack. And it takes up the accessory slot. And I never thought that that third line of text there, that second reaction, would ever matter whatsoever. But Ben has experience with this card now, <laughs> and Ben used it. Yeah, I <laughs> although used, it was ridiculous. Oh. I, yeah, I, ha- I have used this card. We used it. I used it in a Gloria deck uh, when we played Fortune or Folly. Uh, we hung out a couple weeks ago in Denver. A deck built by Dana. We should say it, it's true. Um, did it. But uh, I mean, playing Gloria and Fortune or Folly is already incredibly broken. Um, but like this, right. this let me eat a couple enemies, and then I think I ended up with the boss on me, and had to tank it. And as enemies I'd eaten, shared a trait with the boss, so I was able to like run away as an old lady while he tried to beat me. I like pulled, uh, you know, mobsters Would or whatever have... out of the jar to get smacked in the face. Attack. Uh, yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna die because. Because we we messed with the timing and I had the boss on me with nobody near me and I'm Gloria I wasn't gonna do anything about it so, but that that is a, it was a very unique scenario I don't know if that's gonna come up super often right um, yeah we we were also playing pretty aggressively I, this has a lot going on with it um, it is nice yeah. that you can use it to tuck enemies that maybe you don't want to see again um, I feel like the, the the third part with the dodge is is less likely to come up but I don't know but, but wait a minute. When I read this, I was guessing that the main reason you'd want to play it is for the extra arcane slots. Like, to, you know, I also don't fully understand why you would want extra arcane slots. But that seemed like a little bit more straightforward to me than all the other stuff. I mean, that that is true. Uh, I, 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 there's a chunk of cards in this set that like benefit from you having extra arcane slots, or let it let you do a more powerful ability or, or whatnot. Um, or if you have more arcane slots in play, you get some benefits. Uh, I didn't put the pictures on this slide, so I don't remember exactly what they are off the top of my head. But you I think... guys do know you guys do know Holy Rosary exists, right? <laughs> not 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 to mention yeah. like like shiny trapezohedron. If you're going to spend XP, I'm just saying like there's other there's, there's other <laughs> options out there. Um, yeah, I I think we put this on there just because it was it was kind of kind of interesting. 
Um, it is pretty interesting, yeah. I it, it's one of those weird cards that has the potential to like break scenarios. Um, because of the fact that it hides enemies. Like anything that pulls things out of the encounter deck. Um, like there's a there's a survivor card now that pulls treacheries out, right? And Yorick has uh bury them deep. Gloria can already do that, and that's like the weird thing for this card. Because you can play it in Gloria, where Gloria can already suck up three things from the encounter deck. And then uh on top of that you can suck up two enemies. And uh for something like the secret name, where it's entirely dependent on the three copies of the core set rats, this takes two of those out. And then if you have like your Yorick on your team, you just bury the deep the third one. And then there's no rats in the scenario anymore. That's true. It's just it's just a really gross Danny DeVito looking <laughs> rat man thing. <laughs> right? so, so, so you weren't even thinking about trying to take like, there's a couple of very weird mystic cards that we don't usually play that are like scale with the number of arcane slots you have. No, absolutely um, not. Well, I think awkwardly most of those scale with the number of like full arcane slots you have. Well, there's a there's a couple new ones that looks like they scale more with the number that you have plus like having them empty is beneficial. Like there's Eldritch yeah. Initiation, which is for each arcane slot you have, you draw a card, and then for each filled slot you have, discard a card. So if you have like yeah. a bunch of arcane slots but they don't have stuff in them, then this helps you draw a couple cards. Explosive Ward is you deal X damage to an enemy engaged with you, X uh, cannot be greater than the number of empty arcane slots you have. So you, you can pay, the cost of the card is X. So if you have like four empty slots, then you can like pay four and do four damage and, or something. Interesting. So, so you're, you're kind of saying that I could have a bunch of empty arcane slots mm. uh, and then I could do some kind of like, I could, I could mine data very deeply to, to gain some kind of benefit <laughs> from those empty arcane slots. I see where this is going. Oh, yeah. interesting. There, there's there's, there's uh, yeah, Astral Mirror lets you convert arcane slots into hand slots, basically. So uh, what, was the, what was the... Brahmin? Was that the AI that, like... There was, yeah, there was that's, that's the one that like, put stuff on top of your deck, again, once you used uh, it. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought there was some AI that, like, the strength scaled with the number of empty... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. Um, there's, there's a couple of them. But yeah, yeah, so it's funny because this card initially for me, I was like, oh, you can, you like put enemies under it and you can like kind of, it's, it's like an infinite dodge, right? So you're thinking about like maybe something like uh, like in a lily deck, right? Where you could use this. You can bat things with your dragon pole. This helps the dragon pole get extra arcane slots so you can fill it with stuff so that the, you can power up your dragon pole. And then I realized that Lily can't take this because this is level one. And then I was like, well, wait, why, why... Why is this card even? So then I was just like, eh, this is just for Gloria and doing weird bullshit with like just completely destroying scenarios by like very specific scenarios, like like three, yes. like two of them in the game maybe, or like three or four. I'd say like well, one per campaign probably. Yeah, there's maybe. like one that has like a weird number of enemies that if you just take them out, like it's just like oh. No enemies for the rest of the game. All right. <laughs> I guess it would be really satisfying to sit just say, oh, the enemies can't hurt me because I've captured them in this little jar. Like, I, <laughs> yes. can, I can see that being kind of fun. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, with, I just thought it was a neat clue. Yeah, with yeah. Gloria, you can potentially take eight enemy or eight, five enemies out of the game, which in some scenarios that might be all the enemies in the deck. But it, the benefit is yeah. also you would have to assume you get through the whole encounter deck, which you only probably do in higher player counts too, though. So right, I don't know. right, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's definitely yeah. it's definitely an intriguing card. Um, but yeah, yeah I, th I think it's 
very specific use cases. You know what's really funny? I'm realizing right now, none of the last five cards that we've talked about actually do anything themselves. <laughs> like, like they don't do anything who, in terms of like providing who, an action. Who, 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 put, who put these cards card. on the list, Dana? Well, you know. <laughs> Well, they, I mean, a bunch of them were rogue cards. Like, rogue cards basically all require yeah. combos, right? Yep. Right. Uh, yeah, they're all like sort of like engine cards that that yeah. fit in some niche like, I, somehow. I, I don't even I don't even want to like trash all of these cards. I just look at some of them and I'm like, what, what? I have to read all of this and think it like, <laughs> like you know, you know what cryptic research says? It says draw. It says draw three cards. That's all it fast. says. Fast. Oh, yeah, fast. Zero. Draw three cards, right? <laughs> like, and 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 then I look at I look at these. They're like put all of your illicit cards over here and then if any of them are illicit then do this <laughs> and then also every turn you get to do this but only if this happens and Dan, I'm like, you don't get to complain you, play, you still play magic magic but, every card has like three different paragraphs on it now that all do different things it's true no it, it's 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 true it, it's completely true we're getting it's there really fair. we're getting yeah. there with our Kamora. i mean the, the thing is there's only so many simple card designs you can do right in the game right. like at, at this point if you're trying to come up with new interesting combos you gotta maybe make the complex the cards a little more complex they, so. they definitely between things like this like binders jar and some of the other ones we've talked about like uh like hidden pocket they are going wild with it like they mm. are just they're coming up with some weird stuff right yeah but yeah. it's all weirdly functional right like like the if if <laughs> hidden pocket was like not fast it'd be like eh, i probably wouldn't play this like it's pretty I, uh, I, I yeah like, I, I I would maybe say they're like paying more attention to like trying to make these cards actually playable and functional than perhaps they have in the past. So that's yeah, that, that's I think definitely doing a better job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we should move on and talk about another Mystic card though, and this is I feel like this was maybe the one that people were very t- were talking about a lot before the before the oh, expansion yeah. came out. I mean, not to mention the art, right? The art's pretty great. Holy hell, holy hell this art is fantastic. <laughs> uh, is it my turn? <laughs> yes. Okay, I get to talk about Sin Eater. This is one of the first cards that I think that was spoiled. Um, but Sin Eater is a level three asset. Uh, it costs a hyphen uh, because it's permanent and it's exceptional, which means uh, the three experience that you need to spend turns into six. It's a ritual, uh, and as a fast action, you can exhaust it to move one Doom from an asset you control to Sin Eater, and then either ready that asset or place one charge on it, and then. The last line of text here, action, remove all doom from Sin Eater. So uh, Amina came out this pack, and uh, Sin Eater is very much meant to be, like, one of the core cards in a doom-centric deck, right? Um, This is meant to pull the doom off of all the cards that you've been loading doom onto, and then uh, just poof, right, into the ether. Uh, except it doesn't work because you don't play cards with Doom on them, generally. Uh, so if you don't play cards with Doom on them, you're not going to spend six experience to put this card in your deck ever. I mean, th- but this... if you do, this card might be for you. This is very specific to if you're running the Doom cards. So the, this, yeah. a bunch of the cards in the expansion that came out were these charms that have abilities on them that you put Doom on them to like trigger stuff. So there's like right. like the dowsing rod, the hollowed chalice, ceremonial sickle. There was one more, but they it's like part of the cost of using them is that doom, and then this kind of lets you suck it up and get rid of it. Um, but the question is like, if so, if you're running those cards, or maybe you're running Amina, or maybe Marie, or something, and you want to have a little bit more control, 
over the doom, then this is very useful for you because it, it is also a way to, to wipe the doom. If As long as you're not adding too much doom at a time, you can like suck up the doom and then activate this. You don't have to worry about like playing Midnight Ritual or whatever. Um, it, it's definitely, I mean, this is definitely like a much better solution than Moonlight Ritual, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I agree with what you said. I would feel I would feel I would be more excited about this if there were more like really strong assets that got Doom on them. Like Arcane Initiate is great. There's a couple others that are pretty good, but like if the new charms were a little bit stronger, then I think this would be really interesting because you could really build a whole deck around it. As it yeah. is, I would like again. I like the idea of doing like an all Doom assets deck, but I feel like I would just play that in Dexter and just abracadabra them away before they matter right. because like there's kind of just not quite as enough of them really for this to be as strong as you'd want it to be yeah or the quality like like yeah. the risk and reward factor for most of the doom cards is just not quite there like, like it's basically like arcane initiate and david renfield are really good what are the other good doom assets who uh good <laughs> like blood pact i guess kind of uh, like like there's blood that pack, um if you have this and blood pack that's kind of a strong combo if you need to boost your will but that's also like nine xp isn't there a... <laughs> isn't there like that tome that uh like ramps abyssal up its tome. damage at the more yeah. doom you put on it abyssal tome oh yeah, yeah. so but see but see most of those like the thing is this doesn't work as well with things where it's like you need to keep pushing your luck and putting lots of doom on something mm. because you can only take one off for, with this per turn. Yeah, that's true. Right? Like, like the, an asset like like even Renfield, I mean, this is sort of good because maybe you could just like keep one on Renfield all the time and get one resource per turn and then right. scoop it off of him, keep him alive instead of just letting him die and then put a doom back on him. But like you can also just get him up to four doom and then let him die to something and you've got like a ton of money off of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think the weird part for me is that, like, so they actually did make a better Moonlight Ritual. I think it's level two um, in this, and it's fast now, which is, like, what everybody wanted to happen. Yeah. So there's, like, less opportunity cost. But, but that's that's essentially a, a card that unscrews you from screwing yourself, right? <laughs> and this, right. Is, this card is a card that does the same thing. And I toiled over this card for a very long time because I really wanted to make a cool Doom deck with, like, Amina or Marie or whatever, and I found that this card has kind of interesting interaction with uh, Sign Magic level 3. Uh, because Sign Magic essentially says that after you activate an action on a spell or ritual asset, you can exhaust the Sign Magic to activate another thing uh, without paying its action cost. So, oh, like, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah, so I think that, that there's something there. Again, the sign magic is taking up uh, hand slots, so like that's that's a little shaky. Yeah, also and, and plus the, three. I, I was gonna say, you know, like two nasty. sign magics plus this is like six, twelve XP. Like uh, <laughs> you have you have like uh, the most uh, cheaty experience type cards, right? You've got Delta Deeps, you've got Down the Rabbit Hole, you've got Arcane Researches. So like. I feel like Mystics have the most ways to break that cap and get the most experience out of their decks. Especially with the Sign Magics, you can do, like, down the rabbit hole, but that also numbers with Sin Eater, so I don't know. I it was, it was a lot of, like, dissonance in terms of, like, experience efficiency and, like, trying to figure out what cards to put in, because there's, like, El Rubash is also a pretty solid choice for, like, Doom mitigation there. But, like, Sin Eater should be, like, the, the crux of a deck, and I think that Sign Magic kind of complements that well. Again, it's just a lot of experience, so... I. I, I think all that's missing is, like, if the charms were good. 
if if the charms if you could play yeah. the charms if the, if the charms were like if you have ways to deal with doom were like better than shriveling and uh clairvoyance and stuff like that then i think that would be an if not like a top tier deck at least like an interesting fun playable pretty good deck the right. fact that the charms are just we didn't we didn't pick them to talk about in this episode cuz we think they're just not very good yeah, and we and when we talked about Amina, we said we thought that she was not very good, and it's largely because the charms which she's supposed to use are pretty bad. So yeah. I feel like if the charms were better, then there'd be a more interesting discussion to be had about the type of deck you could make with the Sin Eater. But sadly, I, I think it's kind of just not there. Maybe yeah. the the charms lack the the action. They have they action the compression. <laughs> they have action compression, but it's not like the action compression you necessarily want. From from acid, yeah, right. it's like it's like you do the thing plus some other semi-related thing like move or that's or, a good way uh, of putting it. Yeah, it's not as something. simple yeah. and reliable as just doing more damage or getting more clues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah, but it's not to say that we think that Sin Eater is bad. It's no, just it, that it, it doesn't have the support yet. It it's a strong permanent that is just missing the things that you'd need to play with. It, it, yes. it does exactly. it does work with the Doom cards that are available. It's just we're not we're not impressed enough with those Doom cards. Right, right. Doom cards are not Yeah. So aside aside from Arcane Initiate and David Renfield, which are great, but they are also it's quite possible to deal with those without needing Sin Eater because yeah. you can just let right. them die. Yeah. Uh, whereas so, something like the charms, the charms have their own complicated condition for how to clear Doom off of them. But you just, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's just not quite there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, why don't we move on to survivor cards? Yeah. Uh, so first up, I have at a crossroads, which is a survivor event. Uh, level one has no cost because it is a dilemma in an insight. Uh, so all the dilemma cards say max two dilemma per round, uh, and they have revelations. This one is revelation: choose, investigate, or decide. Choose one. The chosen investigator must immediately take an action as if it were their turn, then discards one card at random from their hand, or the chosen investigator loses one action during their next turn, and then draws three cards. So this set had like I think five-ish or so of these dilemma cards draw like force you to make some decision when you draw them, usually during upkeep, I would I would imagine, but also just whenever you draw the card, which which was new, which was a new thing to have revelations on on player it's, cards it's such a survivor thing it's like what if you were revelations on your cards <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well it, it they're they're interesting because they give you some type of choice that like you get some benefit for some cost but also you're like forced to make that choice not necessarily at a predictable time unless you have i think there's a there's an ally that came out on the set that if you have them out it gives you a little more control but without that uh i guess just on its face what this either gives you an extra action at the cost of a card, or gives you three cards at the cost of an action. Which, I mean, outside of Seeker, three cards for one action is pretty good, right? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to me. This is kind of like preposterous sketches, mm. sort of. Right. Like exactly. it's a card. It's a card and an action for three cards. Preposterous yeah. sketches. You get to play oh, it whenever yeah. you want, as long as you're on a. Oh, well, yeah, the level zero one, but the level two one's free, right? Um, right. But you have to be on a location with a clue is the main thing, right? And this this one, the downside is like, um, I mean, well, the upside is you get the cards right away and you pay the action later, and that anyone you can pick anyone on any location to trigger it. The downside is that like you don't you you kind of like have to play it immediately when you draw it. Mm-hmm. So like maybe you draw this and somebody really needs cards, but they really need all three of their actions next turn or something. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I think in my experience, that has not been enough of a downside to not just do this because of the fact that like, if you don't need it, you can just say like, Hey, who needs this? Cause it's not it, an investment. Exactly. It's just yeah, anybody. exactly. It, so like, it, I think it's pretty good. It definitely seems pretty solid, especially like you said, in a four player game, probably somebody is going to be eager to take this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I and think it, it, it's just good. Good stuff. I don't think yeah. it, I don't think it's one of the stronger stronger dilemmas because some of the dilemmas are like a lot tougher. Uh, I, I, I would like <laughs> to I would like to elaborate on that. <laughs> I I think all the other dilemmas are very bad, and this one I think yes. is decent. You mean so, the, the strong one? Yes. Yeah. This this is the playable dilemma. There we go. Let's make your operations. So you get to choose. Yeah, what was uh, the one that like reduced Dan, everyone's stats? Dan hated Dan game? hated like, making preparation, so I tried that. You pick two skills, you, and like one gets the two of them get boosted, and the other two get penalized. It's, it's just so insane. It's like a card that doesn't. How do I not come out ahead in this trade? Like, I yeah. just, it doesn't even. <laughs> why is it not like pick two that go up and one that goes down? It's like really, I'm putting a card in my deck that just like I come out even. Like, I just. Oh, really, you know what they they should have done with all of these? They should have just put peril on them. <laughs> so that like you you just like make the choice and nobody yeah. else gets to deal with it yeah. well that would, give, I would love that. give input that'd be funny that'll be that right, in, a right. future, in a future expansion they'll start putting peril on survivor cards <laughs> on survivor yeah they'll just stack dilemma and peril on top of each other it'd be great yeah, yeah, um, yeah, no but I, I i feel like there's not much more to say about this card right because the, card the only thing like... i would say is the first mode of it where they immediately take an action and then discard a card at random i think you're going to pick that like 10% of the time or less, maybe like 5% yeah. of the time, like occasionally it will be useful. Most of the, generally it's going to be worse than drawing three. You're probably going to want to draw three yeah. and lose an action versus um, gain one action and then lose like what could be the best card in your hand. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It depends what's in your hand. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe you, maybe you're down on cards or whatever. whatever yeah. Then sure. Maybe you'd rather do that. I mean, it, yeah, it's true too. Like it is in survivor, which has a bunch of benefits for discarding cards. So and maybe Ben, you could clear this up. But I realized when I was playing through this with this card, I was just like, "Oh, can't you just choose the same person to like have this dilemma? To like, oh, you have to either discard a card or lose an action effectively, and like grief somebody with this." I think oh. that the <laughs> yeah. the other part of that dilemma is is there just in case like you keep choosing the same person, and they're like, "I I don't want to lose actions anymore." So, like, that they can start, like, you know, reversing that. Because there is, like, a weird universe where that can happen. <laughs> well, I think technically it says choose an investigator to decide. I don't think the chosen investigator gets to decide which one of these two things happens. I think you yeah, get to. It says choose an investigator and decide. So, <laughs> so, so, so yeah, the, the, person, the person who draws the dilemma gets to pick the mode. Like, yeah, it doesn't say choose an investigator and well, they must decide but, or something. But, again, it's not a peril, so you can ask them which of these would you like. Well, but it sounded like Dana's goal was to, was to grief them. Right. <laughs> that's, that's the scary part. That's the scary part. And if, you wanna, if you want to grief me, just play any of the other dilemmas because <laughs> that will make me roll my eyes. Um, how how but prominently no. is is griefing in the Arco community? I feel like it's not can't possibly be that prominent. Is it, it might just be Harrison? Uh, I, I think it's I think it's like a fun thing to do with friends that you know really well and have been playing the game with for like four sure. years in the right circumstances. Don't yeah, don't don't show up to game night at the local store or whatever with a grief deck. That's probably bad. Right. You know, now, bad vibes. Yeah, yeah. I have a question that uh, I don't I don't know if either you know, but perhaps perhaps a listener or, or someone would know. Is this an FFG employee on the cover, or is this just like a very detailed Monterey Jack? Going it's hard on? to say. 
It doesn't look like Monterey Jack. It's definitely yeah. a real Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of a thing. Right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I for a while I was assuming any like really detailed person in the art is probably an FFG employee, but I think what I what I think like what I realized or someone explained to me is like if you're an artist and you're drawing stuff like this, you kind of often use a model for it, mm. right? Like you have right. someone who right. kind of like poses for a few minutes to give you an idea of what the face looks like. So it could be it could be either way. Yeah, I guess yeah, I was assuming that anything that's like super detailed was always an FFG employee, but you know, it could just be a regular art of, of somebody's face, you know. But uh, <laughs> I did, this is a definitely good art for a dilemma though, because <laughs> he's like, should I swap oh, yeah, this rock with the idol? Should I do it? And then he picks. Obviously, he does, right? You know? I wonder how how many like if we became like the most popular podcast in all of card games. <laughs> Like, like, how popular would we have to get to get art of ourselves on Arkham cards? Because I would like them to redo the Captivating Discovery art with me falling off the ladder. Like, I think that's what I would really, really like. Could, would this I be don't... Ben? Uh, no, I, I, I'd have, like, a rule book or something. Like, there's know. a Piata on the stand yeah. and Pokemon Go in his hand. And he's like, hmm, <laughs> do I do it? That's a tough Should choice. Should I do the right thing? I think you picked the Piata. Uh, all right, let's... <laughs> Like I, I feel like I could really, I could really like emote that I'm falling off a ladder. Like I could really sell it in the in the in the post. Uh, let's let's move on to the next card. Right. So we've got another survivor card, and this is Shed a Light. Um, so this is an event cost two level zero. It has uh, intellect and agility icons. It's an insight and a trick. Those are pretty relevant keywords usually. Um, and it says fast play before revealing a chaos token during an investigation you are performing and only if the difficulty of this test is currently zero this test automatically succeeds you discover one additional clue at this location and one additional clue at any location so dana i know this is a favorite of yours do you want to what's the like like sell us on this card so this card is weird uh because it came out with a whole cycle of stuff where as long as the difficulty is zero, and I guess I should say the the, the cycle is essentially flashlight level three, which was like a council it, card. It sounds like you're saying this card is a little bit of gumpy. It's got a little bit of gump on it. Is that what you're saying? It has it has quite a lot of gumption, yes. A little gumptious? Um, yes. So this card uh, combines with like gumption, uh, combines with magnifying, not magnifying glass, uh, flashlight level three Wait. uh there's a whole slew of cards that like reduce tests now there was like a su sort of a sub theme across the class uh, that do old that. key ring yes yeah, so old key ring level three as an is a new one that just came out that does that same thing and uh essentially this just says pay two fast and you scoop three clues up in one action right because you you get the original one that you get the additional clue at this location and then one additional clue at any location, which is normally probably going to be your location. I think this card generally shines like any card that picks up plus two clues in three player. I really love when cards do that specifically. Um, but this card in, its, in itself is one card for three clues. And it's three clues guaranteed as long as the shroud is zero. Because it just says the test automatically succeeds, right? And there's a card in the survivor pool, which you might have heard of, called Resourceful, which, when committed to a test, uh, gets you back another survivor card from the bin. Uh, and this card, according to Ben anyway, is already in the bin by the time that the Resourceful fires. So you can... Because you, because you played it before revealing a Chaos Token, so it resolved yes. before you revealed a Chaos Token. 
Correct. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Resourceful's effect happens after the Chaos Token is revealed. I, so. Yeah, I, I don't remember what my reasoning for this was. I'm pretty sure it's because it gets discarded. Uh, or, or because it's finished, finishes resolving before you would resolve the resourceful was I think what determined. But even without that, if you have two copies that, of this, you could. You that still sounds spit like intuitively to me without knowing the exact. Yeah. The yeah, yeah, and and the the idea that you're reducing te like tests to zero is not really far fetched in terms of investigating because there's a lot of just shroud two, shroud one locations. Even if it's shroud three, you have like gumption uh... plus. I don't know. Uh, you know. I, I feel like we play entire scenarios. Like the reason that I l prefer to go in with five in as like a clue person is I feel like there's a lot of scenarios where everything is like shroud. Yeah. There's three or there's often a three or four location, which makes yeah. this harder to pull off. Um, I ran I ran this suite uh, as yeah. Are you playing Wendy? Um, oh, Wendy. Yeah. yeah. In in Scarlet Keys, right? Yeah, and. I did fire it off usually a couple times a scenario, but it definitely required a lot of setup on Windy to get it going. It, it, and it and, and in the first turn or two, of, misreading how flashlight works. But, it felt like <laughs> more, fairly frequently, like maybe more frequently than we would have liked, you were like one off. You could get the shroud yeah. down and you couldn't quite get it down to zero. I mean, I didn't have the old key ring and I didn't have every single possible thing, but yeah, it, it made it a little tough. I think, obviously in Daryl, um yeah, it's a lot say. it's a lot easier because he has an extra almost constant minus two that he can he can throw in there um so that makes it a lot easier to set up the higher shrouds i i think the reason i ran it in our soda keys run is because we were we were trying to play in a hard mode um and like reducing something to zero with automatic success helps you dodge all of the terrible hard mode minus five minus six uh horrible symbol tokens Right. So, yeah, like, that is that is true. But yeah, the it, auto succeed is big. Yeah. Um, oh, Jeffo in chat was saying something. I was reading that. It, it, it definitely like it definitely seems pretty pretty decent. I think like my reservations about it are it costs two and survivors are generally not rich, and it's just it, like it's a card, right? Like it's an event that you play once and it gets you a couple extra clues. And then, like, sure, you can resourceful it back, but then you're, now your resourceful's gone. Like, you kind of got, like, one more use out of it. Um, like, unless you can cycle your deck really fast and use it a bunch of times. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be, like, anything except archaic lists and research notes is bad compared to those. Like, that's kind of true, but that's also, like, kind of an unfair way to judge, like, every other card in the game. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It, it, seems, it seems solid. I, I, I definitely, like, I, I expected... I don't think it's Ben's fault or the deck's fault. I expected it to like go off slightly more often than it did in that campaign. I think that just speaks to like shroud values have gotten higher. Like we we felt like Scarlet Keys was a pretty hard campaign, and we felt yeah. like a lot of these scenarios, everything was like three or four shroud in some of them. And it's just like if you need a bunch of cards just to turn this on, it is sort of tough to just get those moving parts working together. Yeah, the, yeah, they yeah, were. That's why Carol's really good with it. Yeah, definitely. Like in Daryl or in like maybe maybe Dunwich. Like I haven't played Dunwich in a long time. Does Dunwich just have a lot of Shroud two locations? Because that would definitely be like a better, a better like use case for this maybe. Yeah, I I don't know the stats. I think Scarlet Keys there was definitely a lot more threes and fours than I was hoping. At least definitely at least early on when I didn't have as it, much. It really, shroud it really felt stuff. that way. Yeah, but, there was um, a few that scaled too. Because right? if yeah. you have to like use if you have to use like a flashlight charge. 
and a gumption to get this to work. Mm. That's like that's just kind of that's like a lot of resources that you're expending to like get a couple yeah. extra loose. Like, yeah. like at that point, at that point, you're using if you're using like a third of a flashlight or, or sorry, a third of an upgraded flashlight and a and a card gumption mm. and two bucks on this and another card which is playing this, and all of that is to like automatically succeed and get three clues. Like that's getting three clues automatically is great, but you did give up a lot to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeffo in chat says like, "Oh, this is sort of like look what I found. It gives except it gives you three clues instead of two, because you could if you have a high shroud, you could just fail the test. <laughs> what I found it. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I I almost want to compare this to Pilfer instead of that because Pilfer gets three clues, this gets three clues, and that's like more the use case. This is like maybe a little yeah. bit more comfortable because you could get like you could go to a shroud two location." get two clues off of it and then get one off of a shroud four location or whatever that is pretty um, good but but pilfer but pilfer i forget exactly how pilfer works but pilfer basically you just play it and it works right you pass the test you get three clues you don't have to have like other right. things set up to make it work yeah 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 That's you true. for pilfer, pilfer you have also, to pilfer also costs like four though right? yeah it costs four let's use agility let's use agility and if you succeed you discover clues your location yeah yeah um yeah, I again the, the you know it's a really good card deduction level too. That's a good card. <laughs> I mean, I, again the the interesting thing for me was the automatic success, which is why I was like, oh, I should, I'll try this in hard mode. And I think if I was if I was like Daryl instead of Windy, I mean, obviously I would never be able to evade stuff, which we I think we needed <laughs> in Scarlet Keys, but uh, it would have made it also, a lot easier to to fire this off. You know, also the automatic success that can be a downside. What if you're playing with poor old uh, Jim Culver? You know, you're not even going to try to draw a skull to make him like, <laughs> trumpet play some beautiful music. You know, like some sometimes people want to draw chaos tokens. Just, just saying. I guess, I guess, Dan. Why don't we move on to the next card? <laughs> so the next card and the last uh, survivor card is Idol of Xanatos. This is a unique asset. It's the Watcher Beyond Time. Uh, it is cost three to play, level zero. Uh, has a will icon on it, and uh, says, item, relic. Uh, as a reaction, when you're dealt damage and or horror, exhaust Idol of Xanatos and discard up to three cards from your hand. Cancel that much damage or horror. Um, and it takes up an uh, accessory slot. And this card uh, was really interesting immediately just for a couple reasons. Um, obviously, survivors have a lot of cards that do better in the bin than they do in hand the trash can lid came out i forget what it's actually called improvised shield i think yeah um this set there's also um like all the improvised sets improvised weapon there's a winging uh, it winging it there we go yeah yeah the, That's the, big the, one, right? the, the good improvised card yeah there's i found an elephant in the iceberg i forget what that card is also called because i've never played it <laughs> but um oh yeah yeah there's there's a lot of cards that are you know work from the bin fortuitous discovery and, there it is yeah 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 so there's a lot of cards that are like great with this right like like weirdly moonstone is a nabo because they take up the same slot anyway <laughs> uh but but like if you're looking for a way to discard things or cancel damage under horror like this is a pretty neat one-stop way to do that consistently like for somebody like patrice who just keeps drawing up every turn or like parallel agnes or somebody like that who takes damage to help fuel stuff kind of a neat card i think yeah, the most interesting. The the art is really mesmerizing. It's hard to I can't really articulate exactly There's why, a... but it's definitely. What is the idol anyway? I thought it was Cthulhu it's... for a minute, and then it just wasn't. It looks like a bug, 
like it looks like a, a grasshopper head creature of some kind. Hold on. It's the Watcher Beyond Time. Well, <laughs> obviously. Um, but but it's uh, also I I feel like I'm on a streak of talking about a lot of Netrunner cards this episode, so I'll just mm. say that it's sort of like a defensive Faust, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I don't think anyone knows what that means. Uh, I I would say does. the most interesting interesting uh, part of this for me was was in the Patrice, where like because she has so many cards in her hand all the time, you can like effectively never take damage if you want. Obviously, she has other uses for those cards, but like if she runs like a lot of discard stuff, she maybe wants to discard, get things discarded by blocking a Mythos card or whatever, and then play them in the min or whatever, which I think could be interesting. So, and and potentially like maybe she'll actually play, run some card draw because if she once she gets a, a point of how many different ways she can discard cards to get benefits, maybe she does want to be able to draw cards. I don't know. So I think the I think the main question I have is suppose I'm playing Moonstone. Is this good enough on top of Moonstone that I should play Relic Hunter to play both? Because I feel like the answer is no. I think if you're running Moonstone and you play Relic Hunter, you want it so you can play two Moonstones. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. there's enough other support with with Patrice or somebody, like right? Like yeah. you'd love to have two yeah, Moonstones yeah. out. Yeah. So uh, like, yeah, th- th- this seems cool. I just I can't really I can't quite think of a case where I would like really need it, but I like I like the idea of it. Is a relic so Ursula could take it? Is that anything? I feel like it's not. <laughs> you don't want to discard secret no. cards. That seems like a sign Maybe. that it's time to move on to a final card. <laughs> it is. Um, Alright, so the last card we put in here is a neutral card, Soul Sanctification. This is a level 3 asset with no cost because it is a permanent and exceptional. So 6 experience to add to your deck. It is a ritual. Um... And uh, the ability is for every point of damage and or horror you heal in access or excess of a, a investigator's current damage or horror, place one resource on soul certification as an offer- offering. This still counts as healing. Free trigger, spend an offering. You get plus two skill value for this test. Limit twice per test. So this this lets you if you overheal someone effectively, right? Like you, you bring them past their their cap, then you get you get the offerings on it. Um, I did not look at this art uh, closely be- closely before. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah, sometimes when we do these, it's like, you know, I look at the hard art like this big or even like scrolling through the images online. I don't look closely at them and uh, man, <laughs> it's, it's like a gem that looks like an eyeball, but there's somebody trapped in it or it's, it's this is intense stuff. But uh, as for the card itself, um it, i mean it, 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 it's intriguing i don't know it's a way for like carolyn or vincent to maybe like be encouraged to like constantly be healing and keep someone topped off which which is a different way to think about like health and sanity because typically what we think about it is like oh this is a resource and as long as you don't hit zero you're good um <laughs> right like there's no reason to keep someone fully healed except for maybe like maybe mark because uh, mark has a way to like spend spend health or whatever so i mean maybe if this work is works with maybe if we get other characters like mark or maybe agnes i guess where like yeah. there's a yeah. reason to kind of keep them at high health all the time just so they can use their abilities freely then maybe you run this at when you're playing carolyn or vincent or I don't know who else really goes hardcore healing. Maybe maybe Carson or someone. I don't know. 
so that you can get the benefit so that you can like after you're done healing and you're like oh maybe i want to get a clue or like use my bone saw uh you can have this to give yourself <laughs> give yourself bonuses to those tests i think my initial read on this was that it would be kind of like a fun win more card that you would have, if you're playing Carolyn or Vincent, you would eventually get this just because it's a permanent, so it doesn't really take up a slot. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it would be like a neat little mini game to try to get charges on it, and then it would be yeah. kind of fun and useful. The reason that I, I, I still kind of feel that way, the thing that worries me about it is like, if you play Carolyn or Vincent, you don't just like play, um, what is it, like um, Clarity of Mind that much these days with Carolyn, mm-hmm. like you do a little bit. It, I, I feel like we generally do most of our healing as like we kind of abuse the assets like Jess and Peter mm-hmm. and we use like Solemn Vow and stuff and we kind of just like move stuff around it. Like a lot of the ways of healing, they're not just like heal X damage off of this. It's like yeah. um, it's like an ally that can heal itself. Like, 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 like Gearish, um, like, uh, like, if Gearish has no damage or horror on, like, there's no way for Gearish to trigger this, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, and also, it's only it's also only investigators, not allies. Right? Yeah. yeah. But but there's no way to like if someone has one damage on them and you're gonna like solemn vow it onto Gearish, there's no way for that to trigger this ever. Like right. the only the, the only way to trigger this is if you're playing like a bizarre diagnosis on somebody or something like that. Yeah, or, 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 or second wind, level or... four. Yeah, exactly. Where so, it's just a huge burst of healing. And and this is what worries me a little bit is I feel like in a typical game where you're even if you're playing a healing character like someone that heals a lot like Mark or Vincent or Carolyn, I feel like well Mark actually Mark does like to play second winds and um, soothing melodies and stuff and you can even get like yeah. upgraded soothing melody. But Mark also doesn't really need the offering thing very much for this. So yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, I. I I still think it's cool, and like I would definitely think about this if I was playing a, a healing deck, but I'm just a little bit worried that like the way the specific type of healing that you have to do to get charges on this is a thing that does not happen nearly as often as just like using Jess and Peter and Solemn Vow and stuff like that and Gearish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that this this is like really niche also because and it's unique, so like only one person can take it, right? So if there's like a Carolyn and a Vincent on a team, only one person can have this on the board <laughs> and that, that would that would be a weird team, but yeah. Well, I ran Carolyn and Vincent through uh, Scarlet Keys with Harrison and never thought once about this. I mean, A, Scarlet Keys, spoilers, (laughs) doesn't have a lot of experience. But also, like, (laughs) there's not a lot of, like, times where you're like, oh, I'm ahead of the ball, so I'm going to play healing that does nothing but saves it for later. Yeah. I feel like there's only certain circumstances where, like, I want to play this in, like, a dream team, right? Like, just for fun. I want to play this with, like, Carolyn, Vincent, Agnes, and Mark. Where, mm-hmm. like, they're, you're just going to be pumping healing into them constantly. Yeah, and even like, then, it's, like, hard to say, right? Because just the, the payoff for this is, like, it's good, but it's not good enough that I want to just spend an action and a card to, like, play an emergency aid on myself when I don't need healing. Right. right like i probably have other right. things i can do i can play like a weapon from my hand i can draw a card i can move somewhere to set up to fight next turn like there's just always things i can do that are going to help us win the scenario more than just like burning a heal spell to put offerings on this so i think where you're getting value out of this is like i have one damage on me but i want to play a second win this turn and you get one charge on this and that's going to happen like even if you're trying pretty hard for that to happen, I think it's only going to happen a couple of times a game, and it's just not really worth paying yeah. six XP for is, this. Is there any right. passive 
straight healing that like could combo with this? Like, I'm not thinking of any off the top of my head. Yeah. So I was thinking about this because I was I was considering taking this in Vincent, where you have bandages and surgical kit, because bandages is passive healing technically, but it's only yeah. preventative. But surgical kit makes it a net positive, right? Because every right. time bandages triggers, surgical kit can fire and then double mm. that healing. Okay. So, like, that's the only thing that I can think of with this. Because even Carolyn doesn't necessarily have that, right? I I think there might be a How thing... How did Harrison do with it? <laughs> I, I could kind of imagine there might be a thing with, like, Vincent with Smoking Pipe and uh, Painkillers. Where, sure. like, you're putting that stuff onto you, and then you're healing it through some very efficient thing. Oh, yeah. And you're, like, if you, suppose you're doing, like solo expert vincent and you're basically using on the men's plus this to pass all of your tests like there's probably a really weird but really really hard to do but like really cool like expert vincent deck or something that you could do that would be kind of good it just sounds mentally exhausting to try to do that but right you know and also yeah. it would take a ton of xp yeah yeah i mean this is one of those big chunky payoffs right that should feel like a payoff and i think it is a payoff it's just it's... like it's a real, it's a real chunkerino. It's a real chunk monster. Right. Like, yeah. if there was somebody who said, like, I don't know, at the end of the turn, heal, like, a damage or a horror or something like that, but they had a whole bunch of other things, like, whenever you take an action, to take a damage or a horror that, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that's like, what you'd want, is, like... A, that's is, is where a, this happens. That's what you'd want. You'd want a weapon where it's, like, at the end of every turn, if you attacked with this, you heal one damage or horror or something like that. Right. And then you would just, like... Uh, over the course of a game you would maybe stack this up like half of every turn or something like that yeah but yeah i don't know it's cool all right then yeah. if we have nothing else to say about that that was the last card for today yeah so yeah. those are those are cards that we think are particularly interesting to talk about from from scarlet keys yeah some of them have been pretty impactful in, in my playthroughs um we all played together we played fortune and folly and i had a fin deck that was running full cylinders and gloria was doing binding jar shenanigans and it was a it was a good time um but i mean as far as all the cards go that's it what cards have been working well in your plays any cards you feel we missed that maybe we should be talking about again we're going to be doing the customizable cards in a later episode um and why are rogue cards always the best? Let us know. Reach out to us. Leave us a comment or email at comments at mur.fm. Follow us on social networks, including Instagram, Facebook, or join our Discord server just to hang out with us. We're going to be talking about these cards. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube and Twitch. You can find the links to all of these at social.mur.fm. And if you really enjoy what we do, we always appreciate a nice review on your favorite podcast source. It really helps others find us. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we're going to catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging in.